Welcome to the Binge Podcast. My name is Mike. And I'm Jonathan. And this is episode three, Death of the Irish Pub. of these topics here on the binge we initially learned about while we were taking our trip across Europe and then we did further research on our own but this one is special to us because we actually did all of the research for it entirely during our walk across Ireland. Yeah this is sort of flipped it's different than the other topics we'll be talking about it's sort of unique and special to us. Exactly so we we really put a lot of effort into this and, and you'll kind of hear hear that come out um, throughout throughout the podcast. And I guess it's worth talking about right now how we initially were inspired to come up with this idea. Yeah, it has its own unique story. And we originally got to Dublin. It was the first city we arrived in. Yes. And this mission sort of was born pretty immediately on on our first night. So we headed to Temple Bar. Mm-hmm. Sort of the big touristy area we had heard a lot about. And being Guinness drinkers, you know, except for Jonathan, yeah, well. uh, a bunch of us were really excited to start drinking the local Guinness, which of course tastes very different than it poured here in the States. So we went to a pretty touristy bar and we expected that, but we wanted sort of some local flavor. We'd really heard everything great about the local pub. So we found a smaller pub mm-hmm. in Dublin and we were just a little... A little taken aback. I mean, yeah. we were happy, free, confused, and lonely. All at the same time. It's miserable and magical. Oh, yeah. But we thought, this isn't the local pub scene we expected. I it mean, was almost empty. Almost empty. I mean, there were like, you know, three and a half people there. And they were all over the age of maybe 90, it seemed. Yeah, it, it was It was very confusing. And, you know, we don't age discriminate. They were lovely people, but not the crowds. Hard to understand, but. A little hard. I mean, when you're missing all your teeth, it's really hard yeah, well. to really enunciate. Um, like we, you know, like we do on the binge. Um, but we were just a little confused. So we thought, let's make a mission of this. Yes. And we actually talked to the bartender there. We did. And we talked to this lovely guy named Joe. Yes. Flaming redhead. And he explained to us about what we'll call the death of the Irish pub, because that's what he was experiencing. Yeah. And he was experiencing a huge loss of business. And he said it was happening across Ireland. And so he basically said that all of these local bars that have been cherished forever are really starting to go out of business. And it's shocking the Irish economy and the local population. Exactly. So we we got out our calculators, we got out our spreadsheets, we got out our docs, we got out our, our glasses and our notepads and our pens and paper. And, and we really did statistical research and we made sure each small town we hit across Ireland, we would sample the, all the bars they had there, conduct interviews, conduct different tests while we were there, and and we came up with what we would call one main theme and three main reasons individually that we're going to go into right now. That's right. And and before we go into the theme, it's just, it's good to note that there was a science to this because we had, mm-hmm. we had drawn a line across the map of Ireland and decided to walk it. So we figured we'd hit several pubs along the way. So we had a path. And we had some direction to the way we were going to attack this problem and figure out, you know, this disease that's hitting the Irish pubs. How are those nerds doing? Sorry. Make sure to get some green ones, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Jonathan said, you know, we really did narrow it down to sort of three big reasons. And probably the biggest one mm-hmm. is what I'll call globalization. And so you walk into these local pubs. Yes. And it's not what you expect. No, I mean, so we expected sort of like 
wood paneling and live music, which we found at places. But for the most part, we found what looked like a St. Patty's Day hangover. I mean, it, it looked like someone threw up, a leprechaun threw up over a pot of gold. Like, which magically. is a pretty beautiful sight if you haven't seen it, but you don't really expect it when you go into the exactly pub. rugby logos, shamrocks, rainbows, like balloons. just kind of confetti hanging from the ceiling, and the music was almost entirely '90s pop, which I love. I mean, it's my only playlist. Yeah, in what the song? Morning. What kind of songs did we hear? We heard Alanis Morissette's "Ironic." Oh, Pink's "Don't Let Me Get Me." We heard Green Day's Wake Me Up When September Ends, and it wasn't even September. So much Backstreet Boys. So much Backstreet Boys. Which put Jonathan and I back to our pageant days, and it just got a little weird at times. So, and and don't get us wrong, like, some of these are very good songs, but... All of them are great songs. It just didn't really feel like the Irish pub that we were expecting. And these are in towns like Dungarvan that are not really geared toward tourists. Right. And even the, you know, more touristy towns like Wellington Bridge, their local pubs still sort of had this flavor to it. So we wanted to understand that. And what we came to is that sort of these knickknacks and this music, this was the authentic Irish pub. It just wasn't matching our, what I'll call an Americanized idealization. Exactly. And, and some of the most packed pubs we went to were not authentic. They were touristy, especially in the town of Killarney, which is a tourist trap. If you ever go to Ireland, try to avoid Killarney. What did Thom say? Best seen from his rear window? Yes, Thom Thom had a great line about Killarney when I asked him about it. He said, Killarney is best seen through your rearview mirror. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) so you walk into these super touristy bars and the bars that we saw in Dublin a lot where they're blasting this session music, this live Irish music because they think that's what you expect in an Irish bar, and you have old rugby. Probably, like, you know, in middle school when you burn a picture to make it look old? I bet they did that to those photos. So those are sort of the touristy spots, but the real authentic spots were these places that had shamrocks hanging from the ceiling. Yes. And and sort of knickknacks everywhere and 90s music. And so... And those are the pubs that are dying. And those are the pubs that are dying. And so the question rises, how do you save that old, authentic Irish pub that just didn't match our expectations. Yeah, and, and we concluded inevitably that, at least at least due, due to my conclusions from, from, from the side of the research, I concluded inevitably that one of the reasons for the death of the Irish pub was because of the lack of authenticity to these local pubs. It didn't, didn't feel like somewhere that you can call home, somewhere that you can call your heritage. We didn't hear a single piece of Irish music in any of these local pubs. We didn't see uh, traditional Irish garnishes. We saw what we thought were Americanizations of them. Right, and it's so interesting because these are the Irish pubs that people love. They're just not matching now this idea of what they should be, and that's sort of maybe why why they're dying out. And I think a lot of it, uh, you were concluding in one of the studies that we were going over that it's because of this millennial culture, which it, there's this expectation now that you should find this truly authentic Irish pub, which maybe that's just that's just not there. There are some great local pubs blasting 90s music, and maybe that shouldn't be so bad, but they're losing business. Yes, so like, like Mike kind of touched on, the first main reason is really that lack of general general lack of authenticity, 
overall globalization, lack of individuality in the tradi- what we thought were going to be traditional Irish pubs didn't look like them, but were the bars that the locals went to. Uh, the second big reason, as Mike just said, that we came up with is the millennial culture. And of course, a lot of these pubs, or I would actually say all of these pubs, we were by far the youngest ones there. Mm. And, Absolutely. Yes. and um, so Even in the college towns that we went to. Even in the college towns, a lot of these, what we thought were traditional Irish bars. And the drinking age is not 21. It's not. You usually in Ireland raise your children with, with a glass of wine before they go to their first day of school. Yeah. Uh, when Yeah, I think it might actually Mothers be Mothers get a, a pint later. of Guinness on the birth bed. So from day one, you're drinking. Yes, which arguably is a good thing. And maybe we can get into that on a separate podcast. Great health reasons. Um, but for, for now, I, I'd like to go a little deeper into this idea of since it's all these old people, you got to maybe think that millennials, our generation, are a large part of the reason why Irish pubs are dying. And when we connected the dots, when we drew the lines, when we charted the graphs, we came up with a few specific reasons why that might be. Uh, and, and I think one of the biggest ones is the millennial culture of authenticity. Millennials love honesty. They love just putting Hashtag it true. all out there. Yeah. Their Snapchats, their Instagrams. They, I mean, those Facebook posts that go on for days, they are sharing their lives. everything. And they want everything to be so true to themselves that they're not looking for some knickknacks on the walls. They're looking for the speakeasy in Brooklyn, not the authentic Irish pub blasting exactly. 90s music. And the traditional Irish pubs are very slow to catch up to this trend. And and um, and there was there's also another whole side of the millennial culture. There's their authenticity, which does not mesh with what the pubs look like. And there's also, believe it or not, we found due to our research that millennials are actually safer than previous generations. It's really interesting to find this because they're reckless on social media. Yes. But with their bodies, they they seem to, to care. Mm-hmm. And and this ties into a lot of the regulations surrounding drunk driving in right. Ireland. So when you're young, uh, when you're in high school, how are you going to get to the local pub? you got to round up your friends together. These pubs are not close. They're not always central. They're not always, you know, in walking distance. Ireland is pretty spread out. Yeah, and the best pub in Dungarvan was we, not even had, in Dungarvan. Technically, we had it was in that like hill. Leeds. That was a sweaty walk up the hill. If you're walking to the pub to impress a young lady, you don't want to walk up that hill. Exactly. So you got to drive. But yeah. millennials, actually safer than the generations before them, aren't driving drunk. And, right. And we actually talked to I believe the bartender in Dungarvan. I believe his name was Clyde. Yeah, Clyde. Ooh, Clyde was an attractive young fellow. He was, and he was by far, the, other than us, by far the youngest one. He was serving all these old by, people. Like, by at least 40 years. At least 40 years. And he sort of told us that the, the scene that we saw, which was probably a bunch of you know mid-60-year-old men hanging out playing darts, um, you know that was the scene that he was seeing at the pub because the millennials were drinking at home. Exactly. That, that fear of drunk driving led them to have more house parties, more drinking at each other's houses, which is just driving that economy and that beautiful traditional Irish pub we all know and love possibly out of business. Right. Guinness down, solo cups up. That's just not a trend you want to see in the economy. No, and, and we might actually post a picture of that graph to our... We should post some of these pictures on our graph yeah, to, yeah. to our Instagram, to our Twitter. And we are actually coming out with a Snapchat as well that should be out uh, when this episode airs. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so this this millennial thing is is just fascinating, and the college students aren't going to the pubs in the droves that that we expected them to be. So let's go to solutions. What was one solution? And this actually ties back. Hopefully, you listen to our second podcast on the Irish elections because this all ties because together. Shit is crazy. It is, and and hopefully you remember the characters that are the Healy Rays. They are just two of the most beautiful people, uh, not physically, but emotionally, emotionally in Irish culture. You really have to get down deep into that. You do, and their hometown God. is absolutely incredible, but they're the ones who are sort of starting a little bit of an uprising against the drunk driving policies. And one of these reasons is because of the death of the Irish pub, they want more business in these pubs that they run a lot of them. The Healy Rays own two competing pubs in Kilgarvin. In the incredible town of Kilgarvin. There's one restaurant in Kilgarvin, but three pubs, and two are owned by the Healy Rays. And so the Healy Rays are actually... Shout out to Will Sullivan's, a third pub in, in Kilgarvin. Oh, phenomenal little pool table. What was the name of that game we played? It was one, and again, we can post this picture, actually. Yeah, a circular pool table. It, it fascinated us for hours. But the Healy Rays are sort of objecting to this drunk driving law because it's really strictly enforced. It's very safe, but it's a really low threshold, and so people just aren't going to the pubs even for a pint or two. Yeah. And so the Healy Rays are starting sort of this revolution. I don't know against what government because there isn't any, but they're starting to really push back Good reference this. to that second episode, Mike, right there. Well, it's just it just boggles my little noggin. Exactly. And do you remember that fight at two thirty a.m. we had, Mike, in Kilgarvin? <laughs> we couldn't decide which Healy Ray pub to go to, and we ended up going to O'Sullivan's because we couldn't decide between the two. I know. And 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 then when we went to O'Sullivan's, we got into a debate <laughs> that we had gotten into earlier that day at the top of Coombe. Um, when I almost hit you with a sheep. <laughs> I, but it was pregnant. It was spread with pink, so I couldn't do it. But if you ever steal my Bulmers again, I will hit you with a pregnant sheep. Um, okay. <laughs> well, when we were at the Tapakum, which, side note, we learned, despite calling themselves the highest pub in Ireland, might Far actually not be. The Irish lie a lot. They, they do. I, I don't want to make that sound like a stereotype. No, I'm kind of into it. Well, it's definitely a good thing. Yeah. It's intriguing, it's sexy, and it's And, and also, Tapaku may not be the highest pub, but it's a great pub. And really good Pringles. One of the best on the island. It is. And they had uh, they had sour cream and onion as well as the original. And mm. but, but the point is, we really got into a debate about whether drunk driving should be legal. Because there actually are some proponents in these countryside towns that are very sparsely populated that drunk driving... Um, should become legal so that they can boost the sales of these pubs with not that big of a danger because of how few cars are on the roads anyway. Right. And I know you must be listening thinking, this is crazy because all of your millennials, we've seen our subscription list. And you're right. You got safety first, always. But the threshold for a drunk driving ticket is so low that you can't even go enjoy a beer. So in the States, you can enjoy two beers, you can be responsible, and you can go home. Not as possible in Ireland. Exactly. And and we're actually looking toward the Healy Rays and the Michael and, and Danny Healy, Healy Ray. And, and actually, Danny Healy Ray once said quite brilliantly, I might add, to the local newspaper in County Kerry that, quote, I believe I'm quoting exactly, but this is all at the top of the dome, of course, God above is in charge of the weather and that we here cannot do anything about it. That's right. So if pubs are the way it's supposed to be, let it be. Let it be. And and the Healy Rays are really trying to spur this one solution 
to the death of the Irish pub in freeing the millennials and making them feel like they can safely drink and drive in these small towns, hopefully spurring the economy for the Irish pubs. Right. So this is something we're going to watch. We have our docs and our spreadsheets open, and we've got a couple correspondents now across Ireland, and we're mm-hmm. going to see where this trend goes. Like Jim McGee. Like Jim McGee. So we're going to try to push this uh, this social issue and see what happens. But there is a third reason that I think we need to bring up that the Irish pub scene is sort of lacking. Yes. Or lacking is not the right word, but sort of, as we said, dying off. And and all of these are going to tie together. And hopefully we'll come up with more solutions besides just, just the Healy Rays. Drunk driving <laughs> and putting things in the Healy Rays hand. And, and in, in, we're, we'll talk about this more, but I think in two simple words... The third symptom that we discovered, the third reason for why the pub is dying, soda streams. Soda streams. The solution lies with the soda stream. And so I've worked in a bunch of... What does that mean, Mike? So I've I've worked in a bunch of American bars, as you saw last night. Yes. And I'm pretty good at at pouring a Coca-Cola. Not so good at pouring a gin and tonic. But... We're working on it. I'm working on it. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. It was a six count we discovered. Yeah. Yeah, which would probably just depending on how past the driving are. limit. That's yeah. right. But what really helps American bars thrive is you know you pour a bunch of ginger ale ginger ale into ginger ale uh, into a drink, and then you charge like seven bucks for it. But the Irish don't even have soda streams. Nowhere they import mini bottles of soda that they give you with all of their drinks. Mini glass bottles. That means your five dollar vodka soda is now costing you about thirteen euro, and you're spending more on the mixer than the alcohol itself. And millennials love a vodka soda. They love a vodka soda more than the past generations, and they also love frugality. Right, and so they're just not going to pay for that thirteen dollar, thirteen euro. Uh, Vodka soda. And so the soda stream culture is really killing the drinks that are bought there. Because no one's buying the Guinnesses, right? If you go out in your little dress and your heels, you're not going to drink a Guinness for the night. You want a vodka soda and you want to dance to, you know, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. And so you just can't get that for an affordable price. So you're going to go to the house party down the road, play some beer pong, pour yourself a vodka soda, and call me maybe. Exactly. And and you won't. You won't even be able to experience the pub if you're a millennial because you'll be blocked out due to this economic disincentive of having these mixers not in soda streams. And it seems like such a simple solution. Bring the soda streams back to Ireland. Maybe bring the soda streams to Ireland. And this really, I think, also ties into the whole theme we were talking about with the loss of individuality and the globalization of this experience where you're not having an authentic poor. You're not having an authentic bartender just measure out in their head that alcohol because not only are there no soda streams, but they have taps for all of their hard alcohol. Right. So all of the whiskey is regulated through these taps. It fills up the two ounces and then you pour it out. So you don't get that overzealous friendly bartender who gives you an extra second pour. And it sort of takes away from what the millennial generation is looking for. And as we were saying, that's sort of the generation that we weren't seeing at a lot of the Irish pubs. So I think it's unfortunate that you're losing... And, and I think one point in our research that's worth mentioning here, I know it's all in our heads, so we're kind of taking it for granted. Yeah. But just to for your you viewers to understand, the number of millennials in Ireland is huge. They're, they are, they're having huge population growth, while maybe some cities in the U.S. aren't seeing that same growth. Ireland is actually has a majority of people under the age of 30, which is not true 
in almost any other country. So these millennials exist. Don't think that the population is dying off like Japan. These Right. The population yes. is there and they could be at the pubs, but they're not. But they're not. Yes. Sorry, so, Mike, you can I sorry for interrupting no, your stream of thought. Not to, that's that's not to that's be too totally fine. There. My stream of thought was just really tying that soda stream back to what we were talking about in the overall point of this podcast, in that there's immense globalization and you have sort of a common desire amongst the millennial population, but maybe that's not so good. Maybe we're losing these 90s blaring, knick-knack hanging, authentic pubs because of cop-fearing millennials. And is there a solution? That's what we're here to figure out. And for you to ponder. It's, it's, it is really something for the listeners to ponder. And it's, it's all about weighing tradition versus wealth, tradition versus the economy, tradition versus success. Do you, want, do you value what you've done in the past over what might help you in the future? And I think we saw in a lot of these different reasons we pointed to for why the pub is dying, a common theme of lack of adjusting to the common times. They're not changing these pubs to be more authentic, quote unquote, for the millennials. They're not changing the drunk driving laws. They're not changing the soda streams. They're not changing the taps of the hard alcohol. And they're not changing the way they conduct their business in any way to cater toward those younger crowds. Is that that's right. bad or is that good? I, I think Mike and I that, actually that, have right. a disagreement between the two of us. About we do. We were, we were just laying down and debating this. Yeah, and we had quite a few debates in that bed. Um, yeah. And and we really could not agree, which is why we've sort of avoided the we, – we're kind of spoon-feeding you all of the granola, the stuff that helps lead you to the solution without, without actually – Without the milk. Without actually giving you that milk, that solution. Yeah. And so I think the one thing we agreed on was soda streams would be good. But, yes. you know, the rest of this is, is really for you to ponder during your work day to day. And when you get those drinks at McFadden's tonight, think about, you know, which bar – you really want to see succeed in the world. Exactly, Mike. And I think that's about all the time we have for today. That does it. But thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll be back next week. With, oh, it's, this is, I'm so excited about next week's episode. It will be groundbreaking. I'm sorry to keep them for a little longer, but it's just going to be groundbreaking. What a story. What a story. I think in one word, distrust. Terrorism. We'll see you next week. Thank you to all those that made this podcast possible, specifically Tesco's and their to-go sandwiches, Joe from Dublin, as well as Clyde from Dungarvan, Thom for his rearview mirror, Powers and their perfectly measured whiskey taps, O'Sullivan's Pub, Kevin McLeod for his lovely music, Connor O'Neill's for their continued support. And thank you to our official sponsor for the week, The Port Hunter. Coming to Martha's Vineyard? Come to Agertown. Come to Port Hunter. You won't find Hutter Barbacks, tastier salads, or more perfectly shucked oysters anywhere. Make sure to continue to follow us and what we do here on Snapchat, Twitter, our website, thebinge.com, Instagram, and make sure that all of your friends are subscribed. Of course, and that is at thebinge.com, and make sure you're signed up for that weekly update that we're sending out every week. And normally this is the part of the podcast where we would congratulate the winner of the person who solved the weekly puzzle hidden in that weekly update. But despite all of the close solutions that people came up with, 
no one was able to hit the nail on the head with this one. So we're going to leave that puzzle open for anyone who wants to still try to solve it. It's a tough one, but it's very gettable if you crack the code, if you will. And we do have a much easier puzzle in this week's weekly update. So thanks all for participating in that. Thanks for binging. Stay full, team.